Philippians chapter number 2, we'll look tonight, verses 19 through 24. Philippians 2, verses 19 through 24. If you would, as you find your place, would you stand? We'll read the word of the Lord, and then we'll work our way through these verses. I'm interested in Timothy, the real deal. He is the real deal, isn't he? He's a real Christian. He's a real servant. You say, preacher, is he real? He's real. And I'm grateful for men like him. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 19, the Bible says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Thank you for standing. You know that we look nine times into chapter number one. We've looked several times now into chapter number two of the book of Philippians. We'll look tonight and then next Wednesday night we'll be halfway through the book. We'll be finished with chapter number two. As a matter of fact, we won't probably bring as many messages out of chapter three and not as many out of chapter four as we have those first two chapters. We talked about a sweet fellowship. You remember that, verses 1 to 4, how to have it, the blessings of it, how to spoil it. We talked about Jesus Christ our Lord, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. We talked about the outworkings and the inworkings of the Christian's life. Uh, God's working something in us, and we work that out of us. We saw God's responsibility in this matter, and then we saw our responsibility as well. You remember we looked at verses 14, 15, and 16, took the little children's gospel song, This Little Light of Mine, and really used that as a springboard to kind of say some things out of that text. Verses 16, 17, and 18, uh, Paul asks us, really in essence, how will you meet Christ? And then tonight, here we are with Timothy. We have the uh, spelling of the word Timotheus. Of course, you know that's one and the same as Timothy. Timothy reminds us of a Barnabas, right? Uh, Barnabas is, uh, he's a man with the gift of exhortation, the gift of encouragement. He's content to labor in the shadows. Uh, he is like Elisha was regarding Elijah. Uh, he was content to wash Elijah's hands, whatever it took. We've, I mentioned uh, some men messaging or calling or what have you about the Bible conference. We've had more, I've had more, I don't know about you, but I've had more comments about Brother Dale Henderson's message on Tuesday morning about her, her holding up the hands of Moses. It was Aaron and her, and everybody had heard of Moses, and everybody had heard of of, uh, Aaron, and everybody had heard of Joshua and Caleb. Nobody ever hears of her, but it is men like her and servants like her that keep the doors open in the local assembly. And so he's, he's learning how to play second fiddle. And there's a lot of things we can say tonight about Timothy. We could say something about his service. Let me give you five or six things. You think about this. You know anything about Timothy in the scriptures. He's one who served willingly. He's one who served uh, consistently. He's one who served successfully. He's one who served humbly. He's one who served holy. 
He's one who served honorably. And um, we also know about Timothy, according to what Paul wrote to him, and reminded us that uh, he was raised up in the Scriptures. Uh, His mother is mentioned in Scripture. His grandmother is mentioned in Scripture as well. Several things we can say by looking at various passages of Scriptures about Timothy. Timothy had a warm heart. Timothy had a listening ear. Timothy had pure motives. Timothy had a a genuine interest in saints. Timothy had a genuine interest in churches. Timothy. Timothy was of excellent moral character. Uh, Timothy had a caring heart. Uh, Timothy was without a competitive spirit. Now, here's your little outline about the life of Timothy. I love a survey. I I love an overview. It doesn't matter if it's of the book of Genesis or the book of Revelation or anywhere in between. Or an overview of the Bible itself as a whole. I love a survey. I love an overview. Timothy was willing to serve anyone for the Lord. I mean, look, he served in the shadows. And really, he was a servant of the Lord, but he is willing to serve second place to Paul. And so he was willing to serve anyone for the Lord. He was willing to be sent anywhere for the Lord. That's simple, isn't it? When you meet him, as Paul wrote to him, the first two epistles, pastoral epistles that you read that Paul wrote, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he was pastor at Ephesus. Then he's willing to sacrifice anything for the Lord. A true servant uh, cares not primarily for himself or herself, but will care for Christ and those who serve Christ. Let me give you an outline of these verses, and we'll give you another outline. If you want me to, I'll give you another outline or two. This is easy. It's very practical. But in verse number 19 of our text, you see Timothy as a dedicated servant. You'll find Timothy's commission. You'll find Paul's confidence in him. It's always good when an old preacher has confidence in a young preacher. To borrow a phrase, to borrow a word from this generation, Timothy was legit, and Paul knew it, and he rehearses that here. Not only that, but he's a dependable servant in verses 20 and 21. You see his care to the church, or for the church, and his commitment to it as well. He'll go to whatever ends he needs to, to serve the church of the living God. And then, number three, he's a disciplined uh, servant. That's found in verses 20 to 23, and you can include verse 24, which verse 24 lets us know that Paul is hoping to come to Philippi soon to see the believers there. But he passes a test, right? He's proven himself. That's a word that was used to speak of putting metal to the test, putting it to the fire. Timothy's passed the test. He's trustworthy. Paul uh, lets us know that. Many, uh, you've heard many preachers. If you've got, uh, we preachers have got somewhat of a library. I have an extensive library at home. Uh, I don't know what the books of modern writers who quote Vance Abner when he made this statement. You've heard others make it. Vance Abner said most Christians live such a subnormal Christian life that if they began to live a normal Christian life, people would think them abnormal. Timothy's abnormal. He's not subnormal. He's above normal. He lives what we read in Scripture. He serves as is prescribed in Scripture. He gives himself to the Lord Christ as the Bible would have us to do. So he's abnormal. He's above normal. He's above average is what he is. Someone has written this. Um, 
uh, in a different writing. While religion is highly popular in America, it is to a large extent superficial. It does not change people's lives to the degree one would expect from the level uh, found in Bible evidence. And I would agree with that, wouldn't you? A lot of times there are professions of faith made in Baptist churches. I'll go a little farther in Methodist churches, charismatic churches. There's never any change. There's never anything on the outside that would indicate anything on the inside uh, has been done. Beloved, that's not a Bible salvation, is it? But you can look at Timothy's life. Timothy's life is not a superficial life. His life's been changed. Um, I like that song, don't you, that says, I've been changed, my life's been rearranged. I like that. There's Bible for that. Most believers live an average Christian life. Just looking at this, uh, this quote again. And we don't want to live an average Christian life. Our Savior is not an average God. Amen. He is the God. Beside him there is none other. Uh, the Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old, and we approach him in holiness according to the word of God. Well, uh, here Paul says about Timothy in verse number 20, he says, I have no man like-minded who will naturally uh, care for your state. Paul's going to send Timothy uh, to Philippi to check on them, see about them, preach to them, teach them, maybe answer questions, whatever they need. You remember these were early uh, church plants, and they still may have had some things that they needed to needed settled and needed assurance about or needed some direction on. He's going to send Timothy, just like he sent Titus uh, to Crete, and he sent Titus to Corinth. He's going to send Timothy uh, here to Philippi, and no doubt he would have left a mark. Now, he says, for I have no man like-minded. Now, he didn't say I was going to send uh, John or, or going to send somebody else. He said, I'm sending Timothy. Y'all need Timothy, and that's who I'm sending to you. He says, uh, he says, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. The, words, the word like-minded comes from two words, which means same-souled. He, he said, I don't have anybody like him. There ain't nobody else like him. He could have sent Titus. Here's what we know from Titus and Timothy. They weren't the only preacher boys of Paul's. Uh, but, but we know that Titus was, uh, he was pretty abrupt, Right? Uh, there's a reason why he got sent to Crete and Timothy wasn't sent. Timothy was bashful. Far as we can tell, he had a fearful countenance or fearful demeanor. He, was, he may have been backwards and bashful, and, and he wanted to say it but couldn't get it said. You know, he is, he'd get in his own way. But Titus wasn't that way. Titus went to Crete. They were called lazy and everything else. Matter of fact, he called them slow bellies. That's what that means. It means to be lazy. And, uh, but he sent Timothy to specific places. Timothy would have been bashful or whatever. Like-minded comes from equal soul. Here's what Paul is saying. When he writes here, for I have no man like-minded, have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your soul, he's saying I have no man with a soul equal to Timothy. Now we can say what we want to, but all of us are serving the Lord in some capacity. Uh, we're either serving him on a greater, a grander scale now than we ever have. Or we're not. Timothy is. He's growing. He's learning. He's growing in grace. He's of more use now to the Lord. He's of more use now to Paul than he's ever been before. There's a church that needs his uh, leadership for a span of time. And Paul says, I have no man like-minded, no man equal sold to him. And he could have sent anybody. If they had preached the word, well, that would have been right. 
in the sense that the word would have been preached. But it wouldn't have been the right soul for the job, so to speak. Now, I want you to notice with me, just consider a few things. And I'll try to be somewhat brief uh, as far as where we are uh, tonight. Look at verse number 20. Timothy's the real deal. Now, I say that because uh, he is being a real deal. is exemplified in the love that Timothy displayed. You could call him a genuine soul. If I'm understanding that phrase that we use a lot of times uh, in our society, Timothy's a genuine soul. You ever, had, you ever heard somebody say that about, uh, about a mom or a dad or, or a friend? Boy, she's just a genuine soul. Or he is true blue. That's the idea of Timothy here. Again, verse number 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Someone has said that love is a verb and not a noun. And I agree. Love will always be in action. Love will always be doing. Love will always be showing. Love will always be giving. Love will always be knowing. Love will always be aware. Love. Timothy is the real deal. This is exemplified in the love that Timothy uh, displayed. Now, Paul loved the believers at uh, Philippi, and they knew it. And there was nothing that would stop them from loving him and him from loving them. We've said this on, a different, uh, on different occasions uh, early on in the book of Philippians. But you remember we said that uh, as Dr. Kanoa and Dr. Seitler and others have said years gone by, the church at Philippi was Paul's sweetheart church. They had a special place in his heart, and he had a special place in their heart. When we get to chapter number 4, you'll find in chapter 4, there were some times when nobody sent to the necessities, the needs of Paul, except for the believers at Philippi. They'd have been nothing to eat. They'd been no way to survive had it not been for them stepping up and showing their love toward him. Timothy's a, a man that um, I'm sure if you had to ask him, Timothy, do you ever think your name? Uh, we'll be included in the Word of God. Timothy probably blushed and said, surely not me. But that's who God's looking for tonight. God's looking for somebody that can play second fiddle. God's looking for somebody that can serve without the pat on the back. If you haven't heard that message Dale Henderson brought on Tuesday morning about her, you go to our website and you listen to that. It'll help anybody that's interested in serving uh, the Lord. I came across several things, and uh, I'll give you two or three of these perhaps briefly. I won't give you all of them. But uh, a fellow by the name of Trollopes, he wrote a book entitled uh, The Barchester Towers. It's a novel about a mid-19th century church in England and was a part of the Church of England. And he wrote about, and here's what he called him, Reverend Mr. Harding. And he called him the humble pastor of the tiny church at St. Cuthbert. Uh, cut birth. And this is what he says as he closes his writing on that section. He says the author now leaves him in the hands of his readers, not as a hero, not as a man to be admired and talked of, not as a man who should be toasted at public dinners and spoken of with conventional absurdity as a perfect divine, but as a good man without guile, uh, believing humbly in the religion which he has striven to teach and guided by the precepts which he has striven to learn. Why is Paul sending Timothy? Here's why. Paul hitched his heart to the heart of that church years ago. Paul's heart is hitched to Christ, and he knows what Timothy is made of. 
He knows Timothy will not hurt them. He'll help them. That's who he wants to go. I don't know if you have thought much about my announcing about Aaron and um, his connection with the church at Grenada Calvary Baptist Church. There's, there's part of me. I, I, I don't even want to imagine Lucy not living across the road. You can take the other two birds and move them if you want to, but I, there's part of me just can't get that except for their higher calling. And I've heard mothers say, cry when their sons surrender to preach. And mothers say, I don't want my son to be a preacher. There are wives. I could call the preacher's name right now, and you would not believe me until you called him. His wife did not, would not go to where he's pastoring. He's been there for years now, wouldn't move. She said, I married a farmer. I didn't marry a preacher. I ain't going. It's one of the best preacher's wives I know in the country. Um, has it ever occurred to you God's son was a preacher? People all the time won't know, preacher, tell me how to preach. Study the life of Christ. He was a preacher. Matter of fact, he did it good. He's the best preacher we've ever had. Paul is sending Timothy because he knows him. He knows him. And he knows that Timothy has a heart that cares and a heart uh, that loves. So Timothy exemplified a godly love. Again, in verse number 20, I'm interested in another word in verse 20. It says, uh, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. This word care means to be anxious about. It means to have someone on your mind, to think about someone, to be concerned about someone's welfare or someone's state. So Timothy, he knew that when Timothy would get to Philippi, he knew that Timothy would care for them spiritually. Now, he wouldn't go in wondering what John's bowling game is like, nor Tim's golf game, he's not interested in that. And he's not interested in whether or not Betty got a new purse or Jan got a, got a new dress. He won't be interested in that, but he will be interested in their spiritual state. And I like that, don't you? I like that. I love that, as a matter of fact. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, there are no uninteresting things in the work of God, only uninterested people. Only uninterested people. God help us to always be interested. Let me ask you something. Are you interested in the people around your life? I won't ask for a showing of hands, but how many of us know someone who's lost without Christ? When's the last time you said something to them about Christ? It's interesting, isn't it? We, call, we, we name the name of Christ, and I'm not one of those preachers that have a problem using the word Christian. The Bible uses the word Christian. And the believers were first called Christians at Antioch. They were called little Christs. It wasn't a badge of honor in society. It was actually a slur uh, that was aimed at the believers at Antioch. If, if, if we see people regularly that we know and we love that are lost and never mention the name of Jesus to them, something's fouled up somewhere. There's a spark plug that's got a miss in it. You understand what I'm saying? There's a short somewhere. There's a short somewhere. Um, we should take interest. Now, Timothy exemplified a godly love. Paul said he's going to naturally care for your state. He's going to be interested in how you are 
spiritually, how you are spiritually. I mentioned bowling games and golf games and purses and dresses and things like that. I hope you do well at life, but I want you to do very well spiritually. And if you'll do well spiritually, even if you struggle physically, emotionally, or otherwise, you'll get through what you're facing. Can I get a witness? So he says it's, it's exemplified in a genuine love, not only a godly love, but a genuine love. Again, verse number 20, then we'll move on to another verse. In verse number 20, he says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He will naturally, who will naturally care. You know what naturally means? Sincerely, genuinely. He don't have to work at it. It's part of who he is. He said, I know him inside and out. He will naturally care for your state. All of us, uh, we talked about cancer, different junctures, either outside or inside, and various things. All of us know what it is to have scans and, and, um, and tests and such like that. If, if, you, if you could put on a spiritual x-ray machine Timothy and tell him, lie real still, Tim. Let me, we're going to look at your heart. You know what would come out? The genuine love of God. There are cords of love in there. That's just who he is. That's what he's about. The, the Spirit of God put that there. As a matter of fact, when, if the Holy Spirit is bearing fruit in my life and in your life, that's where it all begins, isn't it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You've heard this before, but that phrase, against such there is no law, simply means you can't legislate and make people love people. You can't do that. But you let the Holy Spirit move in. You ever, you ever get an attitude about somebody and you mutter something under your breath? I, I remember going up 15 one time. I, had a, I was in my pickup truck and I had a deacon against the floorboard. Son, I was doing about 80. And I was going to tell him what's for until the Holy Spirit told me what's for. I can't mutter anything under my breath and get away with it. Can you? You can't if you're walking in the Spirit. You can't. You sure can't. Somebody has said and well said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I do want to chase a rabbit right here. Time out. This is just chasing a rabbit. Sometimes in life you do have to cut ties, don't you? Sometimes in life. Could I share something with you? I had to share with a couple last night that's headed to do a church plan in Minnesota. We sat down over a meal in Tupelo last night. They were seeking some counsel about a particular matter. And there's no way you would know who I'm referring to. Back in, it was 1998, I thought about this, sitting there with them, shared only a part of it. I'm only going to give you just a glimpse of it. My wife, I was talking to the young lady, and she has a real servant's heart, but she feels guilty. She goes into churches. Her husband's filled in, preached all over. And she feels that she's of no use to the Lord and no use to him. She said, everywhere we go when we come in, she said, the first thing everybody asks me is, can you play the piano? Do you sing? Can you teach Sunday school? And she said, I feel as though I can't do anything. She said, I always have to say, no, I don't sing. I can't sing. I can't play the piano. And she said, really, I'm not a speaker either. And so we talked about some things. And there's two or three, tried to make it hard on her about that, expecting things out of her that she can't naturally. Paul said of Timothy, he said, this is no hard thing for him. He'll naturally care for your state. 
Sometimes if you feel you shouldn't do something because you just you don't have liberty about that, maybe you're not the one to do it. Let somebody. I'm not talking about protesting. It's not what I'm talking about. I don't want to get off on another rabbit right there. We don't protest and balk, do we, at the church? We don't do that. We don't do that. We, we don't do that. And I could talk about everything from the tithe to service. Um, but someone placing pressure on this couple, I said to the young man, you can shield her from that. Keep her close to you when you go in. They ask her, you answer. You can be a gentleman about it and still be stern. You answer. Don't let people put her under that kind of pressure. But I said, a second thing you're going to have to learn to do is some people you need to put distance between you and them. The year was 1998. I won't ever forget it. My wife, uh, you ladies have no idea what you mean to Amanda. You have no idea. She's been extra baggage. She's been a spare tire until she come here. And you women got to loving her for who she is. And she'll tell you that, but she can tell you that better than I can. And most preachers' wives, that's what they are. That's about all they are. They're in the way for some people. They are an object to lash out at to get to the preacher a lot of times. But I told this dear lady last night, and I've got to hasten a story. Amanda, over the years, she's got closer to you ladies because you've opened your heart. That's the only way you um, She had to open her heart. And you had to open yours. It's a two-way street, right? The Bible says he that hath friends must show himself friendly. You've got to open yourself up. Sometimes people don't accept that, but more times than not, people will. But I said to the dear lady, I said it was 1998. I said, my wife, I wish she were sitting right here. I wish she was sitting right here. And I said, if she wasn't sitting right here by me, I wish she was sitting right there by you. And you told her what you just told me. She's lived that for most of my ministry. She's lived that. And, and I told her there's very few she's been allowed to get close to. But it was 1998. I saw it. She didn't. Um, I don't know if she was just thankful to have a friend. But it was someone else in the ministry that she called her. This one called. Uh, she called her. The lady called back. It was a five or six time a week thing. I found joy in it because she had found joy in it. And then I noticed it was Amanda doing all the calling. Y'all know where I'm going with this, don't you? If you've lived, got any gray in your hair, you know where I'm going. Some of you are smiling, nodding your head. You know where I'm going with this. And I set her down. It broke her heart. But I said, I want you to listen to me. I say this out of a heart of love. I said, you and so-and-so. And she said, yeah. I talked about how much she appreciated her. I said, I've noticed the last two and three weeks, this calling's a one-sided deal. And I said, it hadn't been that way up until about two or three weeks ago. She said, yeah, I just hadn't thought anything about it. Still wasn't catching it. I've had to whip her to wake her up at times. I said, I want you to do me a favor, and I hope I'm wrong, but you don't call again until she calls you. That's been 22 years. That's been 22 years. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm chasing a rabbit. I called time out, didn't I? I called time out. Do you know I've had to do that in the ministry, and that's one of the hardest things in life to do? is to stop making the call, but they don't return unless they need something. And I don't want to be guilty of that myself. We all can be guilty of that. Timothy's not made that way, is he? He's not. That's why Paul can send him. He knows he'll give everything he's got, everything he's got, and he'll help them spiritually. Number two, Timothy's 
the real deal. This is exemplified not only in the love that Timothy shared, but also in the Lord that he served. Timothy's genuine. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Let me time out again. We got some of the best people in the world, young people here, right? If your mom and daddy hadn't said this a long time, so it needs to be said while I'm here. If your mom and daddy get a bad vibe out of some little old boy or girl, listen to them. They have lived longer than you have, and they do see dangers that you don't see. And nobody will love you like your mama will love you, and nobody will love you like your daddy will love you. And if everybody say, man, I'll go on. If not, I'll just set up camp right here. All God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, verse 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. He said, I'm sending you Timothy because of the love that he's uh, displayed, but also because of the Lord he serves. Verse 21, he says, for all seek their own. He said, not Timothy. He said, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Timothy's a real deal. First and foremost, he serves Jesus Christ. And that's not always the easiest thing to do, right? Sometimes you hear all this fluff that comes from a pulpit somewhere, from a TV program, or from a radio spot. You hear all this fluff about how easy it is to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord's not always easy. If you can serve him on the mountain, serve him in the valley too. If you can serve him when the light's real bright, serve him when it's dark. If you can serve him when Miss Peggy has shouted, one of the joys of Brother Troy and Melissa being in the church is, Hearing my little sister shout. I didn't know she was a shouter. That blesses me. I praise God. I hope she shouts Sunday. I, I, I love that. Um, but I know you do. And, um, but, I, but I tell you where, where we show that we are real is when the going gets tough, we keep going. We stay with it. As Brother Roy Crouch preached when he was preaching Tuesday morning, he called it perseverance. It's perseverance. Persevere. Push through. Stay with it. That's part of your part. And Lord, help you with that. But we all have been there. Now, Timothy is living for the Lord, not living for the world. He's, he's real for all seek their own, not the things uh, which are Jesus Christ. Now, Paul spoke, spoke of those that seek their own. That word seek means to endeavor, or it means to desire. Their, um, their, their boundary is, is whatever is involved in their little circle uh, of their own world, and, and they can't see beyond that. There's a phrase that the world uses about not being able to see past the end of our nose. That's the idea of seeking our own. I'm going to read you some verses. It'll be familiar to you. And just make one or two more statements uh, at, at, uh, at this particular verse, and then I'll move on to the remaining three or four verses. But again, we're talking about Timothy being real. He exemplifies this in, uh, in how he serves the Lord. But uh, Paul says that there are those who seek their own. He said, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Now, Timothy's not made of that kind of material. Listen to Luke 12, verses 16 to 21. Remember, this is a story about uh, the rich man that Jesus told about. Listen to what the Bible says here. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will uh, pull down my barns and build greater. 
and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this soul, thy soul, uh, this night thy soul shall be required uh, of thee. Then those shall be those things. Uh, then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and uh, is not rich toward God. Now, this man that he talked about sought only his own. Now, you know as well as I, there's nothing wrong and everything right with being a good steward of your finances. Is everything right with that? It's not just that God's laid claim to the tenth, the tithe. We go beyond that to give an offering, right? But I'm convinced he's also interested in what we do with that 90% or if we keep 80% for ourselves, what we're doing with it. We still ought to be good stewards of what God gives. Someone that's interested in only self, the Bible calls him a fool. There are five kinds of fools that are uh, cataloged for us in the book of in the book of Proverbs. Now, I didn't call him a fool, but now God did in the book of Proverbs. Timothy's living for the Lord and the world to come. I love these two verses out of Colossians 3 these days, which says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, he talked about those things, and where to set our affection. Don't set our affections on things here, but do it on things yonder. Things is what gets us in trouble, right? Young couple gets married. First thing they do is go to the finance company. Then they go see Larry Russell at First National, and then they uh, go over to uh, and get finance with GMAC. Next thing you know, they're living the American dream, but it's taking everything they've got to make ends meet. And I'm going to tell you, that's, that's, a, that's a joy robber. That's what your commercial business is doing today. Now, now think about it. What, don't, don't say it out loud. Whatever your favorite TV show is, you probably can't tell me what happened on the latest episode, but I guarantee you, you can tell me what's going on on the Hardy's commercial and the new tailgate GMC pickups have got on them. See, they're not showing you those shows so that you remember the show. They're showing you the show so that they can advertise and they can sway your mind. Get in your pocketbook and your finances. But uh, nevertheless, we ought to set our affections on things above. Listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things. Now, he's just stated something about things in Matthew chapter number 6. He said, y'all are chasing things. He said, if you want the things to chase you, he said, here's your formula. Listen to it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And all these things shall be added unto you. Serve him. Be faithful to him. All right, let me give you, let me give you a last thought. Look at verse number 22. We may just stop with verse 22. Uh, but in verse number 22, Timothy's the real deal. How do we know that? Well, it's exemplified in the love that he displayed. And in the Lord that he served. But it's also exemplified in the life that he lived. He's a genuine servant. Verse 22. But ye know the proof of him. That as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Timothy's the kind of fella, you just don't have to worry about him. You don't have to worry about him. It's a joy to me uh, when, if, if I'm away, uh, 
Not that I think our church could be upended very easily, but it's always a joy to me when these men are taking care of the services whenever I'm away. I, I don't worry about them. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't think you do either. And so it is with Timothy. Paul said to the believers here at Philippi, he said, but ye know the proof of him. He's been tested. He's been proven. He's shown himself worthy. He's shown himself to be faithful. Kenneth Wiest, there's a four-volume set of Wiest word studies. He was a wordsmith, and he described this word proof in connection with Timothy. And this is what he, after he gives the word definition, he says what this simply means is Timothy was all wool and a yard wide. He's made of the right stuff is what he's saying. And may we do the same. I've got to share this. This comes from my heart. When he says here in verse 22, notice this phrase. But ye know the proof of him. Talking about Timothy. I love this. That as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. He called Timothy his son in the faith. You remember that? First Timothy chapter 1 about verse 8 or so. Um, Second Timothy chapter number 2. He called him his son. And... Isn't it a blessing? Do you remember who was a father figure to you in the Lord? Or who was a mother uh, to you in the Lord? Do you, do you remember that? Is there somebody that you're fathering or you're mothering in the Lord? You're helping to bring them along in Christ. It's part of the reason why the church is here. Stephen Ambrose, he said something about friendship and and what a joy it is. Did y'all hear Brother Doug Bearden say that on Tuesday night, if you live your life and you have five true friends, you are richly blessed in your lifetime. Ambrose wrote this. He said, friends never cheat each other or lie or take advantage. And remember, Paul said, Timothy has served with me as a son with his father. He said, we've served together just like that. The depth of their relationship, I'm convinced it ought to be that way. He said, friends never cheat each other or lie or take advantage. Friends do not spy on one another, yet they have no secrets. Friends glory in each other's successes and are downcast by their failures. Friends minister to each other, nurse each other. Friends give to each other, worry about each other, stand always ready to help Perfect friendship, he went on to write, is rarely achieved, but at its highest is something greatly to be desired. And that's what Paul's got here. He says, again, to read the verse, he says, But you know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Now, here's what he did. He served, number one, with Paul hand in hand, hand in hand. I'm fixing to close. Um. But I've often been reminded, when I sat with a couple last night, I was reminded that we can't serve the Lord alone, can we? Uh, We'll get crossed up in this thing, if nothing else, or we'll get discouraged in this thing, if nothing else. And we need somebody to come along. I I was reading after one of the writers. I don't know how many books I have on the book of Philippians. I was reading after one of the writers, and he used as an illustration talking about Paul and, and Timothy serving together and he was trying to use this thing of being hand in hand. 
He said in the wheat fields, in a wheat field in Kansas, a, a little girl, a little toddler, she got lost, wandered out into the wheat field. Of course, the wheat up over her head. Her family panicked, run home, and dialed the neighbors and asked neighbors to dial neighbors. They rushed into the wheat field and tried to find the child. It was getting on over close to dark, and they knew that with the temperature dropping that the child would die in the night because of the cold. And so finally someone said, let's start again where we saw her and let's join hands before it gets too dark. After about 20 minutes, I believe it was, someone shouted and said, here she is. And when they got there, the child, the temperature had already dropped. And the child was lifeless. And here's what the mother cried. Would to God we'd have joined hands sooner. Would to God we'd have joined hands sooner. I would to God we'd have joined hands sooner. She wept over the lifeless body of her child. You know, there's been a lot of churches closed the door because they wouldn't join hands. They wouldn't join hands. Paul said, Timothy's joined my hand. He said, he's got my heart, not just my hand. God help us in these days. Timothy served with all of his heart in the gospel. So what he says here, verse 22, and I'll close with this. But you know the proof of him. That word proof gives you the idea of trying a precious metal in the fire. He said, you've watched him. You know him. You've observed him. He said, you know the proof of him that as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. But the truth of the matter is we are alive unto, um, we are alive unto whatever we are alive unto, if I'm saying that right. A lot of us, I, I got to deer hunt more this year. And I'm kind of quickened to that. Can I get an amen right there? Killed two good deer. Could have killed more. Feel like. Um, but just didn't want to fool with jerking the hide off of them, to be honest with you. Um, I found joy in that again. So my heart is awakened to that. Matter of fact, one of our men, I've got his bow. I hadn't took it out and shot it yet. Should have done shot it six weeks ago. Interested in bow hunting again. God lets me live to the fall. Whatever we make a matter of life is whatever it is that we're alive to. It's been a blessing to me to watch some of you, your hearts come alive to missions. Some of these young ladies will never, never think of an orphanage in the Philippines again the same. Some of you have been to Brother Ken Trivets. You'll never think of a ministry on a reservation again the same. You understand what I'm saying? Your life, uh, your, your heart is alive to that. Paul said, I can trust him. I know what his heart is alive to. He's the real deal. What about us? What about me? What about you tonight? Are we real? I wonder if the epitaph were written by the end of the week by Pontotoc Monument. I wonder if somebody could include so-and-so. Date of birth, dash, date of death. He was the real deal. She really loved Jesus. He served to his dying day. Let's stand. Miss Angie, you come please, ma'am.